Hey guys, welcome to Minefields. It's Joshua Michael and my, my best friend Colin there in the, uh, the Tulsa. I'm in Colorado Springs. How you doing, brother? Oh man, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, it's allergy season, it's nap time, dude, it's all kinds of stuff. <clears throat> How are you doing? What are you up to? Uh, very, very kick-ass day. Got a lot done. It's my day off. Uh, a little anxious because I really want to go see AEW tomorrow and mm. I don't really have the, uh, PTO for it. And if I do go, oh. if I do go, it's probably going to cost me like a hundred bucks that I really should be saving. Uh, Is it in Denver? It's in Denver. I'm, oh my God. I'm, dude, I'm, you have to go. Oh, dude, I'm, I'm. I, I'm, it's one of those things where it's like, oh, like I'm not gonna get in trouble at work. Um, I just won't get paid for X amount of time. But even then, um, I'm losing money to go there to spend money. And then if, but if I don't go and Matt Hardy shows up t- t- tomorrow oh, night, oh, dude, <laughs> legendary! Come uh, on, I, I'm gonna. Yeah, I, it's I, what's expected, and it's Matt Hardy. The possibility of Matt Hardy. At give any that's it's it's statistics. The possibility of Matt Hardy showing up is uh, is is worth paying for the probability that he'll show up. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah, it's but even like, then, uh, yeah, I'm gonna have to go. Like, I'm dude. That's just it's just gonna happen. I'm I'm gonna go tomorrow. Fuck, man. Oh God. Yes, I mean it's a it'll be a landmark moment. Period. I mean, how okay, well, let's look at the pro, let's let's we this is a comic book. Yes, everybody I know. I've I've heard it from a couple of people. You guys sometimes talk too much wrestling when you're uh when you're when in your comics, but like you guys got to understand that this that wrestling is live action comic books. It really is. It's characters, it's story, it's narrative, it's larger than life superhero types these people build themselves up to be these people and when a gimmick sells it's just like a comic book selling so the the point being and you have key issues just like you have critical moments in wrestling where something happened and it changes the industry or it changes an entire character or somebody turns heel you know these are big moments yeah and it's 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 uh it's you think about it and you're like, oh, you know, what are you spending per month on comic books? And one show comes through your town or your region maybe once every maybe eight months or something like that. Yeah. And, yeah, you know, yeah, maybe it's Monday Night Raw or SmackDown and nothing is really seriously happening and nothing, you're, maybe it's not gearing up to SummerSlam or maybe it's not gearing up to WrestleMania because. You know, stuff goes nuts with it when it's the pay per views and stuff like that. It's they pick they pick bigger audiences for those places. You're not gonna get you're not gonna get Hell in a Cell in Denver <laughs> in uh what like Minot, <laughs> North Dakota, <laughs> North Dakota. <laughs> yeah. you know? I mean, or something like that. I'm just saying. Which hey, no diss. I love those nukes, but um, yeah, like uh, shout out to the Air Force, but uh. That's the point. That's why we bring it up. And it, so it's like if you're reading a comic book and something major happens, you know it when you've been reading it for a while. Yeah. And then we're talking about Matt freaking Hardy here. Uh, if you guys don't know who that is, briefly, he is one of the Hardy boys. 
with a Z because it was the 90s and they were extreme, but they were legit extreme. And it's like the Hardy Boys, it's Matt and Jeff Hardy. I didn't know who they were until I don't remember what it was. How did I get turned on to them so me, hard? Me, me. <laughs> Definitely you. But I think it was, I think like, you know, my wrestling fandom has only been, it's only as old as maybe 2015. And that that has a lot to do with, like the Hardy Boys has a lot to do with it. Because I just could not believe how stupid the character of Matt Hardy was in the last couple of years. And the more stupid it was, the more I was entertained by it. <laughs> You're talking about Broken Matt. Understood. Broken Matt Hardy, yeah. yeah. For what you for you guys that don't know, you've got a wrestling tag team. They were the best. They are the best. They're the best that ever will be. No, no, no. Team. You can't say and that. You can't say why that. Why not? Because you why can't, can't I say that? You can't use that phrase with anyone other than Brett the Hitman Hart. You can't do that. They're the best in the universe. How could they not they, be the best that ever they, will be? They are not the best in the universe at they all. They are the cosmic ones. <laughs> no, they are not. No, they are not. Uh, and you can't use that phrase. You can't do it when Jeff Hardy fell so hard no. with drug problems versus Sting. No. You can't You can't no. do it. No, when... you, no, you just can't do it. They're, okay. not, they're, they're not that good. And you can't you use see that the phrase. Emphasis? This is like me calling... Uh, calling, I don't know, Iron Fist, the man without fear. How <laughs> bad does that feel to hear that? <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean... Yeah, you, you, you really <laughs> just did that. And it's okay. You didn't know any better. It's all right. <laughs> it's not the point. The point I'm making is that they were le- they were legendary in their time, fighting Edge and Christian in the 90s. There's so much of a storied past with these guys, and they did insane crap that no one had done before, that no one had been allowed to do before, because they came up out of nowhere, and then they got signed to big shit, and they did incredible stuff. And so... Still doing. uh, Yeah, they're still, at this age, amazing, amazing guys. And Matt... Shit, I remember... Mainly, (laughs) he's kept his nose clean all these years, right? Uh, kinda. Um... Matt, Matt's problem was more in uh, the early 2000s when Lita left Team Extreme and cheated on him with Edge, and then she was with Edge, and they worked that into the storyline. And then Matt got really, like, like he hit the bottle pretty hard, and I'm sure he hits a few other things pretty hard, too. But I couldn't blame him. I mean, could you imagine, like, okay, first off, having a, first off you have to see your, your, your ex-girlfriend at, at work all the time. Then you got to see her with another dude all the time. And then you got to see her out, like, actually it's part of the storyline, and the old bastard made it part of the damn storyline. You get the, Yeah, that's no good. The, the, you they, how do you treat people like that? Easily. How do you sell that? Old, this is not only your girlfriend or wife, this is your traveling companion. You go everywhere together. It's the old you man, You make travel man. arrangements together. You're driving from town to town to town. You're staying in hotels, and now it's just flat out over. And you've got to do it because... They've got a contract, and you've got a contract, and you're hot, and they're hot, and it's hot. Putting asses and the fans in the seats are reacting to it. Putting asses in the seats, man, and it's well. Well, my point was is because I, I want to see him. I didn't really particularly enjoy Broken Matt Hardy, but I really like. I loved him back in the late '90s and early 2000s when Team Extreme. I remember seeing them in Albuquerque, and mm-hmm. um, 
uh, I just I always felt like I want I want I want them to succeed no matter what. But I remember, yeah. I, dude, like when he hit it pretty hard, like back during that Lita thing, like, dude, they're like, they were calling him Fat Hardy for a very long time. Um, he he that's got the, yeah he got big. When I started he got he got pretty heavy. And now yeah. he's happy. He's got a great family. He's got great kids. He's a, a wanted item. He does his best to take care of himself. More than likely, he's going to be in AW, and more than likely, he's going. I, I, you know, I have to go tomorrow because if, like, I am going to, if I'm at work sitting there in the re- and I get the text message because it's going to happen, like, oh my god, Matt Hardy, and I'm not there, I'm going to kill myself. <laughs> Dude, okay, <coughs> let's be very careful with that phrase because the same type of stuff that happened to him is is that not what happened with Triple H in China? The Triple H and China thing, what happened was, is that Triple H brought in China. Like, he vouched for her because they were already dating. And so, he vouched, he had enough clout that she was actually main roster coming out with uh, DX, carrying their belts. And she actually was the first woman to ever win the Inter- Intercontinental Championship. And she actually actually share it with Chris Jericho, Y2J, My Hero for a while. And there was some weird blood between that thing. But... Eventually, of course, Triple H, uh, I, I can't speak for anyone other than myself, so you can speculate to whatever you want, but Triple H left her and got with Stephanie, and then China got buried, because obviously, I, I really sincerely doubt that Stephanie McMahon had any good feelings towards uh, his ex-girlfriend, whether she was China or some some chick that was a waitress or something like that, because you know how, yeah. you know how a vast majority of women can be and especially in situations like in such high high uh stress testosterone environments like uh like wrestling can be of course she's gonna get rid of china 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 got buried and then she got pushed to the wayside like she got she got the raw deal and um of course now you see that triple h and stephanie are together and you know I, i don't wish any illness on anyone but some people really are pissed off still pissed off about that and guys are you hearing what we're talking about? Like, when... I know this is comic books, but this is... We're talking wrestling. This is... There's real-life stuff going on between these performers in addition to the story and the narrative that they create for the characters. Every TV show you ever watch, it's all written, built around that concept. Reality series, unless you're watching, like, American Ninja Warrior, is still scripted to a certain degree. Agreed. There is still a direction they want to take all of this stuff. Agreed. And when, and Everything. You, if you're watching, if you're watching True Blood or Dexter, or you're watching, I don't know, Justified, or I've been. I want to talk about the Man in the High Castle. I just finished season one uh, in the last couple of days, and like, you're watching anything, and you're following these characters. You're watching comic books with it when it's wrestling, and it's it's all the same business. It's all about it. Agreed. Except that these are real real people. people. Murdoch and Peter Parker are unfortunately not traipsing the streets of New York doing good. But, you know, Seth Rollins is. Well, yeah, he's doing he's doing doing good things for people. You know, I mean, all of these guys show up and they do charitable work. Just like when you see your NBA team, they do they all do charitable work. John Cena has probably done more for. Uh, Make a wish kids than 
Oh, that's a fact. That's a fact. Like he, 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 he loads. Yeah, he he broke that record like two three years ago for being the guy that did the most. Uh, but yeah, um, in in the same way. Sorry, in, 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 yeah. Well, I it I see how Matt Hardy, man. Yeah. So uh, yeah, wrap it up in, in terms of how I'm gonna wrap it up. Uh, <laughs> I, I I have to be there tomorrow. Um, I will. I don't care. I don't care what happens. I just there's no way I, I can't I can't be the Johnny Come Lately for that because I, I I just love it so much. And the other thing is is you know I'm I'm sorry that you've got a couple of friends that don't appreciate when we deviate from comic books, but I don't. Understand. I'm not gonna say it necessarily as that. It's just like. I get where they're coming from because why are they even listening know. to it? It's the Minefields Comics and Wrestling podcast. Like it's in the damn title. <laughs> it's like going to McDonald's and asking for a fucking piece of pizza or something like that. Like, like <laughs> yeah, but it's you can still get food at Hardee's and you can get uh, <laughs> it's you can get food. tacos at Burger King now or yeah. whatever that was. <laughs> yeah. Happening. So, but it, even then, like uh, I'm still glad they're listening. <laughs> but. Uh, one thing I wanted to bring up to you was before we uh, started recording, you mentioned about how some the 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 frame of mind you have to be in to read a comic book. Like for example, like oh, right. when we uh-huh. used to do when The Walking Dead was still going heavy, and we used to do The Walking Dead minute. You used to challenge uh, we used to challenge um, uh, each other to do. <sighs> you know, just get through it as fast as we could and Summer, yeah, summarize the issue in one minute. <laughs> in, in one exact minute, just to make a point that they're they're too easy to read, and it's you know whether or not you're, you're you're worried about your bottom not bottom line dollar or if it's they're just not doing a good job of the narrative. But then you mentioned like yeah, there's some throwaway Peter Parker it, Peter Parker Spider Man stuff we'll read, and all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute, that we're I'm done like that was that was three minutes, that was four minutes of my time. And, uh, or, or like, de- depending on your frame of mind, like you were mentioning earlier, where, we, like, 20 minutes had gone by and you've only read, like, six, seven pages. And, um, t- tell me more about that. Like, just help me elaborate. Yeah, that. man, I mean, I mean, obviously some, some books are going to be more dense and verbose than others. Right. And I, I used to have buddies when I worked at, uh, the comic book store in Norman who, they would pick up their books and they would pay for them. And they would just flip through them right there. And they were like, okay, I did that. And I'm like, dude, you haven't read it at all. He's like, I got the gist. I know what's going on. There was nothing happening. The, like, this is... And I was... I, my, my, my thought was like, you're not reading it for all it's worth. You're not reading it word for word for word. You're not reading it in a way that uh, feels like you're getting your money's worth. And then I think about, you know, maybe the book isn't good right now. Maybe the title you're reading, maybe the creative team isn't as hot as they have been, or that happens. Maybe the, that happens. Yeah, it happens all the time. And it's I mean, okay. We, we were we were in love with Dan Slott's Spider Man for a while, and then it was like this is going on forever. No, that's what you like, said. It, what, dude? It, yes, I did say it. Uh, I, I never said that. Like I loved every single moment of it. <laughs> I know you're dating Dan Slott. It's fine. So um, the uh, the business of it is like. There, I, I wonder about everybody's frame of mind. You go and you pick up your books and you've got like, you know, oh, I'm going to sit here, I'm going to read this. You never pick something up and think, I'm going to have to set this down. Like, right? it's a comic book. It's what, 26 pages. You ought to be able to get through it. But like sometimes I'm finding myself lately, 
I'll start reading something and I'm like, holy crap, like this is, I can't believe like how exhausted I am in the middle of this thing. And it's because it is, it is so much content. Uh, you made a big point about undiscovered countries. Right, right. Before we get there, I, w- I want to start. I want to. Uh, you said something like too much content. Okay, so that's. Oh no, 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 I'm not saying there's too much. It's just like it is enriched. No, it's, no, it's no I get like, it. I get it. I get it. There's, yeah. there's, there's a shitload of it. I, I, I understand that part. But what I'm talking about is whether or not is it quality enough to really, to really like catch you, to engage you to the point where you, you don't care how, how thick it is. And that's what I that's one of the what I want to talk about is that Undiscovered Country did that for me. Was where I could read Walking Dead in five minutes, uh Spider Man in five, maybe ten, um uh-huh. an X Men, maybe about twelve, thirteen. Undiscovered Country, I stepped into a time vortex. It was dense. It was thick. It was it was everything I've wanted, everything I love in comic books, and it was something new and fantastic and plausible. And in my own psychedelic type head, because this is kind of a psychedelic comic book, and it is written by, uh, of course, uh, Scott Snyder, Charles Soule, art by Giuseppe Camon Camoncoli, and uh, is it? I either want to say it's uh, Danielle or or Daniel or or Landini, coloring by hey, it's Daniel. Danielle. I think it's maybe just Daniel just like threw an E at the end. Baby, you're going to be different. Uh, color, <laughs> coloring by Matt Wilson. Lettering by Crank. Crank! Covered by Giuseppe... <laughs> Crank. Giuseppe Camuncoli. Uh Okay, so... we now, this uh, is a 2019 book. This came out in November. Yeah, this came out in November. I, this one I'm Johnny Come Lately to, and... And it's an image book. Yeah, number four just recently came out. The premise of it is 30 years ago the united states said fuck everyone uh we're pulling all of our uh, all of our troops from every base that we have across the world not only we're we doing that but we're stopping all trade whatsoever no one's getting in or out and it's not just a wall that is going up it's it's a full-fledged like emp type wall and it with on top of that like stories high like impenetrable walls and it's been 30 years since anyone's ever heard from the united states well we've got a new a new disease and it's just so funny because i find this just right at the exact time um we've got coronavirus we've got our our uh, president wanting a wall we've got so many things going on and this is 30 years after the fact that anything like that started and there's a new disease called skyfall and it's once you get it you're done and the United States reaches out to a couple of uh, key figures in the rebellion and people that they, they ask for people specifically. We want these people. You can bring these people only. You can come into our country. We have the cure. No, but no funny business. And of course, like as soon mm-hmm. as they start, they start flying in. They get blown out of the sky. And luckily, no one dies right away. Uh, their pilot is accosted by. Uh, a, a a giant pig dinosaur type thing. I can't remember exactly which creature it was, but it's got some psychedelic elements that I think that uh, that Grant Morrison would probably be reading this and be like, "Damn, this is really good." Like, but <laughs> and then and then go to his own library of his own books, and then it'll make him feel better for a little bit. And 
Uh, it's it's definitely one of those books that would piss off. Uh, they'd be one of those young upstart type type books that show up, and all of a sudden the dudes that were a little uh, too comfortable start noticing that uh, they're not as they're not uh, they've got some challenges here. And I keep saying and I really get it because I when we first started the podcast I was always <laughs> okay don't say um don't say um I keep saying and read the book it's phenomenal. It's heavy duty. It's it's he- it is heavy duty. When I was reading the the credits at the end, the letters, there's some supplemental stuff that is not in any way superfluous. It's something that is not a chore to read, and you'll you'll get little bits of what's going to happen. You'll get some hints. Also, the letters are really good because they're answering them as well as they can without spoiling anything. When I was reading it, I read, like, how long is this going to be? A limited series? And they're like, oh, we want this to go on for a really long time. And I was like, damn it! Like, I'm already, it's it's already so engaging that I, I want it to end already. <laughs> like, 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 that's a, a difficult thing to express because obviously I want this to enjoy good content for as long as I can. But the story mm-hmm. will hook you that that quickly. The people that are the very few that are let into United States that is now it's not just the states it's there's a spiral they have to follow and there's a, a time vortex where you haven't read that far yet but no the the spiral is indicated on a very rudimentary map presented in uh in the in the book like one of the characters from within the US or America or whatever we have now uh, shows them a, more or less a homemade map. From where they are, they have to follow a spiral. It's going to take them around the country to get to the center. Why we don't know, but um, you know, it's it's a uh, a fantastic journey they're going to have to take. And it's more than they bargained for. They were hoping they were going to get in, get this cure, take it back to the people on the outside. And now they're going to go on this enormous odyssey, picked off one after the other, I'm sure, uh, you know, to get to the center. And then how do they get out? You know, are they going to have to retrace their footsteps or will there be a secret way out or whatever to get this to the rest of the world? Consequently, I don't see the plausibility of this in some ways. But, I mean, you know, we can't get you, you can North Korea. Can you get into North Korea? Yes. Probably. Very the Soviet easily. Union, could you get into the Soviet Union? Yes. What was going to happen to you when you got shot down, when you got on shore, when you walked close far enough, you're going to get picked up. You're going to get tortured. You're going to get interrogated at least. Yep. You're going to be imprisoned. You're going to get sentenced. It's going to be a show trial. Or no one ever hears from you again. There's no telling. There's all kinds of stuff that we've heard about. Like, <clears throat> Good point. So, we uh, don't know... That, that's that's one thing that's different about this book is this, the United States is definitely not the good guy in this. Yeah, and it's fascinating looking at these characters from all over the world. There's two major superpowers. There's a there's what what Japan was kind of trying to do there, uh, during World War II. There's some kind of like Asian co-prosperity sphere, and then there's a rest of the world more or less. And um, they they freaking hate each other, you know. And so having to work together on this is a very big concern for them. The 
the Asian guy that's just full of shit, <laughs> talking yeah, shit. Yeah, it's, I mean, he's so... Well, I was thinking about the technology. I mean, you've got these gigantic palisades that are built along the coast and along the... Somehow, I mean, just like the, the, the expenditure and manpower and money. Yeah, you could do that over 30 years. I mean, think of the Atlantic Wall. Look what, look what the Nazis did to create Fortress Europe. Like, where could you land without there being an enormous firefight during World War II? And uh, what can you do even with the soft underbelly of Europe? You know, Mussolini did not do that because I don't think he could have. No. And um, what do you do with the south of France? I mean, that was technically more or less under... Uh, German that was, control? That was, that, it was, yeah, it's like, is it, is it not? But, um, in fact, somebody straightened me out on that one. I'm usually the guy that knows. But uh, the point I'm getting at is like, I mean, geez, even today I was reading something about uh, Cold War history and strategic defense initiative and the, you know, what we... Common, com, I don't know what to say. Commonalized uh, as the Star Wars program, the idea that we would render nuclear weapons inert on the way in, like some, having some kind of missile shield, an energy barrier that would fry their triggering mechanism so that a missile would just crash and not detonate on a nuclear level. And it's like, okay, well, these guys in this story are freaked out that they're going to hit a static wall, kind of like you think about like Wakanda. Good you know? point. That's, you know, that's yeah, good. It's just, does the technology exist? No. Could it? It could actually exist. Me. So there's a lot of fantastic stuff going on in this book, not to mention the weird hybridization of giant lizards as steeds. So, yeah. Anyway, yeah, it's a fascinating book, and it is heavy on dialogue. There's so much content going on. That's what I'm saying is, like, there's some books that you can pick up and it's going to take you five minutes to read. There's some books that you're going to pick up and it's going to take 10 or 15 minutes to read. And then there are others where it's just like, man, I mean, I don't have a half an hour to devote to this right now. And you didn't know what you were getting into because it's a number one. So I don't know. That's my, that's my concern right now. As a guy who's been working virtually every day for three solid weeks, finding the amount of time I need to sit down and read anything has been really tough. Uh, lately, and um, that's even me taking my work, taking these books with me to work, and thinking like, oh, I'm gonna get a second to sit down and read. It just doesn't happen. But uh, yeah, I mean, this is a cool book. I think it's totally worth it. I'm gonna keep reading it. I want to catch up to where you are, and maybe we can be current on it. Now, I don't. I'm not gonna cover it today, but I feel equally as passionate about the horror fantasy comic known as something is killing the children and mm -hmm. guys okay. if you're not reading this right now hopefully they're still on the shelves because they're not here and you you got to catch up with them it's it's one of the best horror comics i've read in a while the last time anything got this good that made me this happy as horror comic wise was ice cream man mm, okay <clears throat> what you got next brother Oh, let's just jump over to Archie. I did, uh, I did, uh, I'm not entirely sure if this one came out this week or not. I just picked it up. Uh, dude, I mean, it still bewilders me that I'm reading Archie books, but I got sold on Riverdale and I've definitely talked about that. So this is Archie number, uh, you, you'll find the cover. It's Archie with Katie Keene 
and it's number 711. It's two of four. It's kind of interesting to me that that's how they're doing this, like presenting this as there's going to be only this many in this bit of the plot. Okay. And does, but it doesn't detract from reading it, you know? Like if you knew you were going to get into, I know we. I know I kind of dissed on that Spider-Man story last year, but like, if you know you're getting into a 24-issue plot, it's like, holy crap, you know, i got to get emotionally prepared for that. But when it's this, it's like, okay, well, so is they going to disregard this character? Is she going to move away after four issues? I don't know what's going to happen. Um, story by Mariko Tamaki and Kevin Pineda. Lettering by Jack Morelli. Uh, art by Laura Braga. And way to go. Like, for real, really good penciling. Uh, colors by Matt Herms. Almost, I mean, just I gotta say, as far the, like the coloring really brings out the three dimensionality of these cartoony illustrations. I'm not saying like I'm not saying they're goofy like cartoony characters like Rick and Morty or stylized that way. I'm saying that there there is a particular penciling style here. You have all of these different girls in Archie comics. Right. And when you look at the old Digest books, they look. it's like, okay, well, this one wears this, and that one wears that, and this one has dark hair, and that one has light hair, and whatever, and you know what you're looking at. These girls are instantly identifiable as different because of their facial features and their body types and their stature, their poise. These things are all coming out in the illustrations. We are hell and gone from... Oh, Betty's blonde and Veronica wears has dark hair, you know, and Cherry Blossom has red hair. This is phenomenal to see this in this book. Um, I mean, God, they, they're still... Sabrina, the teenage witch, is still in the book, and she is identifiably different in... I, I don't know, just... It's interesting because when you're reading Sabrina... She's wearing the same stuff virtually all the time, but in this book, she's constantly changing it up. Everybody's changing it up, so it just doesn't have that stagnant appeal, if it is an appeal. Anyway, well, in the story, everybody is obsessing over Katie Keene. She's a fashionista. She just moved there from New York. Uh, we get a little backstory on it. Um, oh, my God. Like, what? i got to say, as illustrations go again, like there's there's one place where... The eyes on her sister, Sis, are so lusciously rendered. The makeup is perfect. Like, I would fall head over heels over a girl that looked like this. It's just so great. Uh, yeah, I mean, everybody's obsessing over these new girls in an irid it just like in, an, in a ridiculous fashion. I, can't, I just can't even imagine living in a town with probably one or two high schools and some some pair coming into town that everybody makes a big deal out of that doesn't have an already existing celebrity. These are just two normal girls. It's fascinating to me that someone would put it into this story that people would go just so wacko over these characters because I remember how self-conscious everybody was and is when they're teenagers and how petrified they are. Like... Different personality types. Like, how far out on a limb is anyone willing to go? But I feel like kids in the age in this age group right now are willing to go a lot farther to put themselves out there than most of the people I knew when I was growing up. 
And it's crazy because I'm looking at a book about teenagers and I'm comparing myself to them constantly because of this tight knit group of friends. And still stuff. to this day, you're okay. So that's how they got you. But even then, I'm surprised. That might be it. I'm surprised that you're surprised that they're writing about that sort of thing because it's exactly what they've always been writing about, just in a different way. Just <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm not saying that I feel like there's like these characters have no sense of they all have a sense of identity and they all have they are self they're not self conscious they are um they're self aware they're capable of projecting who they are to everyone without projecting it onto anybody self aware or self actualized. Dude, I'm sorry. Right, you know what? Hey, I don't know. I don't know the difference there. Will you like illustrate that for us, please? All right. So, self-aware uh, is pretty a basic. Exactly what it's. You know exactly what you're feeling. You or have a pretty good idea of it. Uh, your permanence in life, that sort of thing. When it comes to mm-hmm. self-actualization, you know your purpose. You know your path. Oh wow. You know your path, and you are laser focused on it. Some of the most, if if you if you think about that, and you think about people that you are in any way enamored to as a hero, I can almost guarantee you they're self actualized. Tyler Durden, Dude, very very self self actualized, except the other part of his half, what obviously Jack or Sebastian or whatever you want to call it now. Um, it, yeah, it's it's different, but I really Wait, who? What are you talking about? Who are they? Talking about Jack and and, and Tyler and Fight Club. Tyler, oh, okay. I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't hear. I, you, maybe you cut out for a second, or I don't know what. But yeah, Tyler was extremely self-actualized. He knew exactly what he wanted right. and exactly how to get it. And there was nothing that was going to stop him unless someone, you know, put a bullet in his head or something like that, which actually kind of happened. As opposed to someone that's really unsure of himself and constantly questioning his purpose in life, and you know, someone like Archie or Jughead, you know, dude. The, yeah, you are you are hitting the nail on the head here because you're explo- you're ex- you're explaining this in a fashion that I was not. It's amazing because it's like I was carrying this on in a particular way, but I wasn't taking it from the direction that you're taking it. Archie, Archie, in the last issue, gets to get out and he's like, "Oh, I want to be a musician. I want to be a performer." He gets up and he runs a song, and then Katie and her sister get up there and they're special guest stars. Nobody knows who they are. And they just blow up because everybody, everybody's so excited about them. And social media is on fire. And he, like, we keep seeing them cut away from the action of the regular Riverdale crew going and meeting her and trying on her clothes and having a good time to Archie, who's sitting there like, why don't I? Ha- I've only got 300 likes. And, and Katie Keene has 1,300 or 1,900 or something you know, phenomenally different number. And we're looking at people who are self-actualized. I want to be an entertainer. I want to be a musician. Or Veronica, who's like, I know what I, you know, I'm going to go into business. I'm going to take care of the family business. I'm going to use this money for a good, for a purpose. Or Jughead, who's like, I'm going to be a journalist. I'm going to be a writer. Uh, And we're we're watching Archie go, my self-actualization is un, is in jeopardy by this girl who just showed up out of nowhere and everyone's fascinated with her and now it's this is amazing because it's going to get to a low point for him in the third issue of this four part that's the projection i have he'll get to a low point where he's like 
even my best friends are all into her. So he's going to have it out with them. And then in the fourth issue, the resolution will happen. Like, man, dude, I can't. (laughs) I'm really kind of bowled over by the um, by the psychological material that we have to work with out of an Archie comic. Dude, they they're doing what they're doing, man, and I'm glad that they've Damn. evolved the comic that that way. Because when you first said, look yeah, at how relevant it is. Yep. Because I know people that are our age or even older that are, that stress about their social media likes because they're you know in some sort of entertainment media uh, business and it 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 matters to them. And you know if you explain that to someone you know 40 years ago, you'd be like, what the hell are you talking about, Junior? But now it's now it's something that's important to people and. You know, you can't really write things off if you don't care about it. Man, it's, it's just... It's, it's fascinating. I mean, you know, this is... It begs the question, or it begs the conversation. I mean, this is what we're doing. We're putting ourselves out there, you and I, mm-hmm. as... Uh, you know, are we putting ourselves out there as journalists? You're a journalist. We're, we're reviewing material. We are... Uh, we are We are developing content, and we're trying to do this, but I... And yeah, there's there's a certain degree of like, okay, yeah, you know, we're going to boost this post or whatever. We want more people. We want to reach people with our uh, with our thoughts and and see where it goes. But I mean, it's like, you know, we're not really like pushing the the hell out of it. We're not really forcing our way into anybody's homes. We've been pretty much like, you know, hey, this is out there and if you want it, it's there for you and let us know. We do want responses from people, but I don't think that we're sitting here like doing any little gimmick to try to get attention correct for our media but uh you know one day we may get to that point it just depends i mean we'll find it how how this grows this is an organic process and i just haven't been worried about it yeah me neither like varying levels of success in the end, you know, yeah, a year ago, two years ago, I was like, oh, you know, I've got this hobby, I've got that hobby, I should try to find a way to monetize it. As if I needed to justify why I was into whatever I'm into. Like, uh, like, do I need to justify my the appeal of Legos? No. Like, I just wanted to try it because maybe I could do some product reviews or maybe I could do some builds and stuff like that and... You know, I ran into some speed bumps and then whatever else. Other things got in the way. It's just that kind of stuff. But it's like, it's just fascinating thinking about the direction that you can go with putting yourself out there online. And, I mean, I know people who make money online and they wonder why they're not making more money. (laughs) And they know they're not making more money because they're not showing their tits. But they're like, I don't need to go there. No. They they are saying that, like, I don't need to go there. And I'm like, I don't think you need to either. I think you should be happy with what you're doing. And if it gets bigger, then that's good news, you know? At least you've retained a piece of yourself that you can always admire. Yeah, that's... Anyway, wow, dude, I can't believe how much we got out of an Archie comic. Good freaking job. What a creative team. I agree. I, I, I do want to end it with I saw a really funny meme the other day. It was a, just a, a dude and a girl eating dinner on a first date, and she's like, uh, "So uh, I'm an." Uh, he's like, "What do you do?" She's like, "I'm a model on Instagram," and he's like, <laughs> yeah. "I'm a I'm a black ops soldier in Call of Duty." <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> yep, yeah, yeah. What life do you really want to portray? I mean. 
man, yeah. It's interesting. Like, yeah, I feel like I said, I'm talking about a friend of mine who's a Twitch gamer, and she's like, she's been pe she's been hit with people who are like, you need to get a real job, and you need to do this. It's like, hey, look, if this works, and that's what the life she wants to have, then you don't need to be telling her how to live her life. Nope. You know, we, nobody needs to be telling anybody how to do that. What What are you online? Nothing. Like, if you're playing a video game and you're like a huge deal in that video game and people are throwing money at you, then yeah, maybe that's supplemental income. But we all need our fallbacks because it takes one solar flare, guys. So Agreed. Agreed. And then you, <laughs> you encounter people like, you know, the person that probably made that meme was made it because they are jealous of someone that's trying to be a model on Instagram. <laughs> and there's yeah, legit models yeah. on Instagram. I personally know a few that I, I adore. And uh, hopefully they don't listen to this and think I was making fun of them but obviously honestly they're smart enough to know what i'm saying anyway so but yeah what do you got next brother oh i got star wars number three uh charles Soule book uh jesus saiz is the artist and nice job nice job for real uh arif prianto is the colorist vc's clayton cowell is a letterist i gotta say the coloring in this also is really really spectacular um the book opens on something that I find to be frustrating. How's that? Uh, okay, I know it's hard when you're doing Star Wars. It just seems like if you're doing Star Wars or any number of... I think Star Trek works a little bit better for creating villains. Because there's any number of really good motivations for villainy in Star Trek. But like, if you're writing Star Wars, your villain is always going to be the Empire. Like, it's really hard to sell a gangster villain and make that a consistent pain in the ass for the characters who's going to keep coming at them relentlessly. Very good Because point. that's not what they're out there. They're not out there to, like, solve mafia issues. They're not out there to solve, uh, you know, sex slavery or drugs or something like that. They're, they're out there to bring down a galactic empire. Correct. And so... I find it difficult to create interesting imperial officers. You're loving this new chick, aren't you? <laughs> no, I don't care. I'm like, this is the new imperial officer who's going to get hers in six to eight issues. <laughs> yeah. And and then oh oh we've got to be we got to be special about it by having a star destroyer that got got hit by Death Star debris and we're never going to fix it. This is a scar. That we're going to take and we're going to do this with. It just, it just doesn't... Beyond the fact of decreased functionality of a starship and uh, massive hull damage. Okay, that says something about the Star Destroyers. It's like a Borg cube. Okay, clearly a Star Destroyer can operate with 30% of its hull damaged and ruined. Correct. But like... As a decoration? You didn't like it? Okay, to me, it's as... Okay... This is my complaint about working in franchises that are well-established with a gigantic fan base. How do you stand out with your villain? How do you stand out? Okay, you know, let's go one step farther into the real world. Okay. Every time you go to an army surplus store, you see a new camo pattern. And you're like, I'm like to me, I'm like, what the hell is this? Why does the Navy have a camo pattern? Mm -hmm. why, why, why are we on Digicam? Why is it this? Why is it that? And I bring it up to my brother, who is a, 
non he's a, he's a no longer active serving member, but who has a legit history in the uh, army and then in the reserves and also uh, as a contractor. And you you ask the question of a lot of uh, veterans and serving personnel, what is up with changing the camo every so often? And they're like, oh, for one thing, it's this. And for another thing, it's like, oh, you know, they look at it and they're like, uh, that color doesn't really exist in nature. Or that color, or just, there's reasons. But then usually they get down to it and they're like, some really high Joint Chief of Staff guy said, we're going to change the camo to this other thing because it's an easy way for them to make a mark on the military in general on the yeah like it's an easy way for that that personality to leave a mark on the military and i'm like okay that's fascinating now this is me i'm a civilian and i don't actually know this is a perspective that i've picked up from people uh who have served and so i look at that and i look at like okay what are you gonna do in star trek well we're gonna like every time i see some beta cannon you know, you got like Star Trek Countdown. You've got like, I keep saying like, I'm sorry, everybody. You've got Picard's ship, the Verity. Why isn't it another Galaxy class? Why isn't it the? Why isn't it a Nebula class? Why isn't it an Akira class? Why do we have to invent a new starship class every time something comes out? Well, this is my complaint about Star Wars. Also, there's got to be a new type of Tie Fighter. Or a new type of stormtrooper armor. How is it that we... I know the answer. But how is it that we, for three movies, had identical stormtroopers across a franchise that started from 1987... Or 77 to 1983. And they were identical. They were all white and black. And then we've got new movies. And we've got new types of clone troopers in every movie. Sometimes there's a new clone trooper for everything. It makes sense. So, it's this kind of material that I'm going, how do you, why, why does everybody have to stand out by just, like, tweaking a TIE fighter? That's my contribution or whatever. Uh, and I just, I don't know. I feel let down by, what do you, you know, if you're, gonna, if you're just going to create this character who's got a motivation, they spent, you know, several pages on it. I get it. And... I Whatever. just I'm, this is me complaining about four pages of a comic book. I just think and the story sucks. Like this is stupid. Well, like and that like it's so stupid. I had to just use base words. Like this is dumb. Like <laughs> what does it matter? It, like I feel like they're they're going into some dangerous territory right now about finding Luke's lightsaber that he lost because you know we we get it later on in uh rise of skywalker not rise of skywalker or, or the force awakens yeah whatever yeah yeah <laughs> let me dismiss that please yeah our our stories are like this I, I feel this is so unnecessary this is just such a dumbass cash grab to just keep focusing on the skywalker saga in between jedi and empire and then of course uh it's good when did they start? When did Disney take over Marvel? Like what? Like two thousand and thirteen or fourteen? Yeah. And now it's like at least five years, and it, that's how long it took for them to write a bunch of stories in between uh, New Hope and Empire. And now, what are they going to give us? Five more bullshit years of in between Empire and Jedi? I don't care anymore about Luke Skywalker. Like, 
it's 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 been beaten to death. Give me new content. Why do you think that the whole fucking world freaked out about the Mandalorian? Because it was new content and it was great content, and they probably didn't think that it was going to do as well as they did. Because if they did, I guarantee you there'd be a lot more dumbass notes, and there we all of us would have a baby Yoda toy on on our dresser right now. Oh, I don't need to have one on my dresser because I'm being. Because I've got Baby Yoda being shoved up my ass every time I look at my phone. Oh, Somebody God, every time. Somebody posting something Baby Yoda related seven or eight times a day. It was... I am constantly reminded, it's not even the Mandalorian. <laughs> it's not even it's funny. It's Baby fucking Yoda. It's not even fun, funny anymore. And it reminds me of when I Can't Has Cheeseburger came out. And it was like, yeah, that's kind of funny. And then, and, oh, and then, yeah, and then, uh, and then the single moms took over. And uh, not the single moms, the uh, the 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 stay at home mom that uh, you know post eat pray love and shit like that. They took over and made it the silliest, stupidest shit ever. And now every time I don't even read it. If if it's a min, if I love memes, but if it's a if if I look at it and I see Baby Yoda or I see a minion, I just I move along. <laughs> oh, dude, man, I have never once, I've never spent a cent. On minion related anything, I don't care. I've never seen those movies. I'm hard pressed to even know what what movies they come from, uh, so don't tell me. But like, yeah, I just I just can't. It's like minion stuff all the time. I don't know, man. I mean, I get cute things. There are cute things. I am not gonna say that the Baby Yoda thing isn't cute. Agreed. But uh, we're overdoing it. And, um, to, I mean, still, I, R2-D2, that's where cute, cute comes from in Star Wars, is R2-D2, period. I, I'm still, I'm still sad that R2-D2 isn't what he needed to be or what it needed to be, uh, <laughs> assigning gender to that particular trilogy. <laughs> uh, what R2 needed to be in... The prequel trilogy. It's an enormous loss. It's an enormous waste. Nothing. Ah, oh, fuck it. Whatever. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, everybody. Uh, I'm about my particular language. But, um, no, I get where you're going, dude. I mean, we already know what's supposed to happen between Empire and Jedi. It's, it's, I mean, we read Shadows of the Empire years ago, and that is supposed to be considered canon. And uh, there's some great moments in that, but authentically i would rather i just dude i would rather watch darth vader tearing up the galaxy looking for luke skywalker without ever finding him or getting close to it and not not knowing necessarily what's going on i'm way more but i'll tell you this i do appreciate so far in this book (coughs) excuse me um seeing this morale quandary that luke is dealing with but I, and I think I think, you know, a lightsaber. I, one in the hand is worth. I mean, God, it's it's in a, a lightsaber. He doesn't know how to make one. No, he can't be a Jedi without it. Nope, he's not good enough yet to be a Jedi who doesn't use a lightsaber. That's obviously the point of this lesson: is that he's got to figure out how to be a Jedi without a lightsaber, and then eventually, some Force ghost or he's going to find some archaic. Uh, uh, blueprints of how to make it and yeah but i could completely buy that uh i would appreciate that that's the one solid thing that i really appreciated about spider-man homecoming if you're not good enough without the without the costume yeah then you don't deserve the costume correct man that 
that is it. And I mean, like, beyond the complaints I have about that show and the sequel, but nevertheless, I mean, it's got its own, it's got good stuff. They both got good stuff. But like, um, and here again, the last page of this book with Leia frozen in carbonite. Come on. <laughs> that was it's so like, stupid. Dude, that's that's why I called it stupid. Book, every beta cannon thing. It's like, oh, this is what we do. We freeze things in carbonite. Oh, they're frozen in carbonite. Everything's frozen in carbonite. And I'm like, no. It should be a one-off. It should Everything about that should have been a one-off. There should never have... Han Solo should have been the only person ever frozen in carbonite. The impact is lost. Do not... Oh, God. I mean... I, I, don't, I, I failed to come up with an, an, a, an appropriate metaphor to run parallel to this. Because it's, it, this is so new in, in regards to like pop culture, the, the, the endless recycling, and what they've done with... I mean, they haven't fucked up Mickey Mouse. They just don't use them anymore. They've got other things to do. But then again... Disney's doing everything again, like the the live action version of this, the live action version of this, and I, I don't I don't care about those things. Move on. I am very very enthused to see the Mulan. I've never seen Mulan. I never saw it. I never I saw that either. Wait to see the Mulan movie coming out. It looks phenomenal. Well, we're just it's co- it's costumes, it's sets, it's. Probably fantastic performances. It's a bunch of performers. I don't know who they are. Um, I no. I just. I think that one's gonna have me and have me uh, just bawling. It's just gonna be awesome. Then uh, you absolutely have to watch that movie I told you about called Shadow. It's on Netflix. It's gonna that will okay. Yeah, that will yeah. do, that movie is going to. Do, if you think I know what Mulan is about, and oh yeah, it's, we do. Yeah, it's, we all know. It's but. pretty. It's pretty predictable. Shadow is going to. Fuck you four ways from Friday, and you're not going to remember your goddamn name, or your... <laughs> none of not one bit of that movie is predictable. I mean, there's there's some things where you're like, okay, obviously that's happening, but then that that in no way is going to clue you in about what is actually going to happen in the next 15 minutes, let alone the ending. Like it's mm. it's just one after the other. And guys, I talked about it before. Got to watch watch that show. Writers and letterers and colorers on the star wars comics now you're doing a great job at what you have been given to do i just don't i just don't want it anymore but why can't we stop reading it <laughs> like i mean that's that's the thing as a child you would just get your let's talk about that for a second as a child and nostalgia the nostalgia factor of star wars you have your action figures. Yep. And you would you have whatever vehicles and action figures and accessories and playsets that you could get and you would Oh, I'm gonna mesh this because I don't know, you know, I need an alien whatever that could come in and be a problem. You did did anybody have more than one stormtrooper? Yes. Yes. And I can answer that really? question. Why why two J Chris Jericho, my hero, had more than one stormtrooper? He had a shitload of them. Because he would he 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 was talking about it one podcast like four years ago where he was like, uh, so I wanted to have the most epic Star Wars collection, but you couldn't just have one or two stormtroopers. You had to have a bunch. So 
Yeah. I already had all the good ones. My parents already got them for me. So when it came to my birthday or Christmas, I asked all the family members that asked me what I wanted was just to get me a stormtrooper. So I got a shitload of stormtroopers. I had them all lined That's up. Hilarious. <laughs> I had them all lined up. Like I'm talking like I'm I'm him. But uh, yes, I, I can't believe I was able to answer that question. <laughs> Wonderful, dude. Way to go. No, man. I mean, I had a stormtrooper. I had a snowtrooper. I had a biker scout. Yeah, but how many foot soldiers did you have? <laughs> you had one, and you were disappointed exactly. when you when you got your 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 your, your, your foot soldier. But if we'd have been smart enough to ask for a shitload of, of, of foot soldiers, see that thing. <laughs> one of my hey, shout out to my friend Ted. Love you. You know, one of my it, it, he is my oldest friend, uh, and that's the he's not the oldest friend. I'm saying he's the friend I've had longest in my life. Uh, what I'm saying is that I remember going to his ninth birthday party, and he got a Lego Alienator from me. And then he got a Lego alienator from another kid. And then another kid. And another kid. And this is one of the Blacktron sets. So if you guys are Lego people, you know what I'm talking about. It was a little set. It came with one, excuse me, Blacktron guy. Those guys were awesome because they had the black helmet with the black visor. And then they had, they had a torso that had really interesting, like, webbing decoration. And then they were maybe bad guys, you know? And so the Alienator was a little set where there was a pod and it affixed to a crawler that just kind of like you scooted the legs forward. So it was kind of like a miniature AT-AT, an AT-AT. And um, it opened up in the back and was it a pod or was it a launch weapon? You didn't even know. It was just super, super rad. But that year, for the price and what you got out of that, Anyone could afford it, and it's a small set, and suddenly he had like 10 of them. And I thought that was hilarious and cool, and then I thought back on it years later, and I was like, he had a flipping army of those things. Yep. And like, <laughs> as an adult, in buying Legos, you're like, okay, no, I'm going to get that set because it's an army builder. It's like, hey, yeah, that's where you get like five or six you're going to get three stormtroopers in this set. You're going to get three stormtroopers in that set. You buy the same set like three or four times, and suddenly you've got a, a pretty good squad. And then you see these guys online who are selling like, hey, I'm selling 50 stormtroopers, and they're breaking it in on that. And, you know, you got a Death Star playset or a storm or Star Destroyer, and you've got to have those guys lined up to make it look right. It's got to be right. And it's just, I just remember being a kid and not having that. It's like... Utilizing the same stormtrooper over and over and again is getting killed. We should. That's that's. We should. That's build how you something. played the story. In in regards to what you're saying, we should find as many broken Death Star playsets that was just like uh, one sixteenth of a dome. By shit, <laughs> by a shitload of them, assemble them, and uh, make make a bomb ass giant's Death Star. Like we could actually park if we built bought enough of them. We could actually park a Falcon inside one of those. Now, that would be legit. I have seen some MOCs, my own creations, uh, of, of a landing bay, a Death Star landing bay, and it's, they're, they're usually beautiful. Yeah. There's something about the repetitive, angular design. I mean, you guys have seen the movie. How cool does it look? And then you think, like, how do you have that much empty space inside of a starship? It's phenom- It's just crazy, you know. Yeah, it's a giant battle station. It's the size of a small moon. 
What? How much of it is empty space? You see it in the Return of the Jedi, and they fly in there, and they're like, you're like, oh, a lot of this is empty space. What are you gonna do? I mean, you've got a, a city layer. You think about the what's up and what's down on that thing when you're inside of it. You know, the shifting of gravity's got to happen dozens of times. Depending, you could work on one part of that thing and and never see the other side. You know what I mean? You could visit it a hundred times and be like, no, I'm going to be in the Northern Pole this this week. And then next week I got to go down to the South Pole. <laughs> oh, man, how long is that commute? You know? I mean, literally. 30 minutes in oh, a shoot. It's, it's easier to just get in a just It's easier to just get in a Star Destroyer and, like, go around than, like, try to take the surface level. Yeah, forget that. I never thought I mean, it's that. a cityscape. I mean, we think about the legitimacy of why, why or why not to do this type of thing. Why to construct something like that. And then... Peace, obviously. I mean, we, got, we went way down a click hole on this thing. <laughs> I'm just... Okay, so the point I'm trying to make is, like... This, the stories that you created as a kid... when That's the thing. Look at the different time periods. So, we have a big precedent. And we're, we're talking the hell out of Star Wars. I know everybody. But, like... After I look at about... the time period. <laughs> we, you, you relaunch Star Wars when Marvel gets the license. After a pretty good... What was it? A Dark Horse run? Oh, an amazing Dark uh, Horse run. I mean, like that was a great twelve issue Dark Horse run. But they, they, so, they granted uh, they've had it for a while. But when they re, yeah. when they restarted it about two two three years maybe just two before mm-hmm. uh, before Disney got a hold of it, every issue was golden. Every issue yeah, was really interesting. It. Yeah, it wasn't another rehash of some bullshit story. <sighs> and so the point I'm making is that how much content how much actual story can happen between star wars and empire it's what it's maybe three three and a half years of time and you know okay well it's not star trek where you might be in warp for like a week to get someplace and that burns up a bunch of it it's hyperspace we don't know what the hell you know and then in the original trilogy it's one thing and then in the prequel trilogy they seem to just whip in and out like they're opening a wormhole or something and so uh it's just like okay i mean what kind of stories when i was a kid it was like oh when am i playing this is this before is this with darth vader being alive or is it not how many times did i have luke kill darth vader while yoda like leaped up in glee it's just stupid toy playing (laughs) as a child And then you get to where you're like on the cusp of being too old to play with toys anymore when you realize, oh man, I mean, if this is after Return of the Jedi, I mean, look at all of these characters that I shouldn't be using. It just doesn't make any sense. And then suddenly it's like, well, this is why you blend G.I. Joe and Star Wars. Anyway, I'm sorry, guys. This went way, way on. Anyway, what have you got next? (laughs) I've got something you probably didn't know came out. This is... uh... Issue number one of Leviathan Dawn. I did know that came out. I did get it. And then I realized I haven't read uh, what it's based on. Leviathan. And I need to... Yeah, exactly. Event Leviathan. I was like, I need to sit I'm, and read I'm that glad you said that because uh, within a couple pages in it, you get a quick handy-dandy little... Uh, a uh, recap, which kind of makes me, ah. which kind of makes me sad, because like that was a, a solid, a solid run. Uh, I wasn't too happy with the ending. However, I, I loved every single issue. Leviathan has arrived. Before anyone knew what was happening, ex spymaster 
Mark Shaw took over the Leviathan and used it to destroy and consume the assets from every super spy organization. Uh, it must be noted that Leviathan was Talia al Ghul's uh, organization. He he took over everything, used every spy where he could, and uh, took over everything. The greatest detectives in the world stopped his event Leviathan world takeover, but not before real damage had been done. World-famous reporter Lois Lane's spy father did not survive the attack. Now Leviathan is growing so fast, no one can stop it. So, uh, before we get too hard into it, Brian Michael Bendis, writer, Alice Malieve, artist, mm-hmm. Malieve did the cover, Joshua Reed Letters, Mike Cotton, editor, Alex R. Carr, group editor. Okay, so Leviathan is just growing out of control, and the superheroes stopped it. No, they didn't. They didn't do shit. They just kind of stopped it for a little bit, and uh, it's, it's as if like Superman was like, hey, stop it. <laughs> Shaw is still out there. Like he's like he. It doesn't start out with a uh, a massive prison breakout on some amazing underwater. uh, Only eight people in the universe know this prison exists, except the prisoners trying to you know break out their boss, uh, which I would assumed would have been somewhat plausible considering that the Vent Leviathan ended in a way. It it just if, if. it didn't really have too big of an ending. It was just, okay, so we stopped him. But did we really? Because that's what just started out was Leviathan's like, well, shit, we lost. And uh, how did it happen? And one dude's like, oh, yeah, it was me. I- I'm, the one that, I'm the one that did that. And like, oh, why did you do that? Oh, because I really don't believe in any of this. I'm only here because you kidnapped me. And uh, I, I kind of went out. And, of course, Leviathan annihilates him. And, uh that's where that's where that's where the suckiness stops. <laughs> that's where the suckiness stops. Um, Bendis Malieve never let me down, except for that little tiny bit I just went into like crazy. Good read. Uh, the Good only read. time they ever let me down is when they don't don't uh, don't generate enough scarlet fast enough. Yeah, and it's oh god. Yeah, we're gonna go down now, aren't we? <laughs> no, we don't have to do that right now. Make more Scarlet. In fact, don't release Scarlet until you've done six of them in a row. So you can do it month by month, and we'll still buy the damn graphic novel, because we're going to want to read it all at once and not mess up our, our pretty pretty ones we have uh, in our boxes. Because we did do that. Shit, I've got all of them. <laughs> and, and yeah, I've got all but the most like the first and last of the most recent and, release of it and i bought the graphic novels because i didn't want to go fishing through all my like it was easier for me to buy the graphic novels and go fishing through all my boxes to get all of them compiled cuz i really have like in the past 10 years have stopped organizing them which is really stopped completely completely it's just all like they're all just in boxes now uh, that mm. like enough so that I would rather just pay someone to just figure it out how to organize them, but then probably don't want to because there's <laughs> definitely going to be some things missing that I'm probably not going to know about that they do. I think what we ought to do is get together and go through them together and uh, and really and really uh, take that time, you know. I, I've got I've got legitimately 25 long boxes and probably like 16 short boxes that are in my uh, in my uh, storage bin right now. Man, short boxes are where it's at. I I got to the point where I was like, man, I can't carry these freaking long boxes. No, they bend. You've got to go up and step. Yeah, you got to go up and down stairs with these things. I tried carrying two full long boxes, and I'm not talking about. 
I'm not talking about just slapping stuff in there in in mylar. I, they're in backboards, so that me too. Me too. Reduces the weight. Me too. But it doesn't matter. Minor because minor all bagged and board. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. Like it's just heavy. It's just freaking heavy. <sighs> Have some fun reading the book. Hopefully, this one comes out consistently. Uh, probably, I'm sure, because Bendis isn't doing like every single thing to do with Superman right now. And he's doing a good job. Like, uh, what I've read of Superman's been pretty decent. Uh, all the Wonder Womans that have been coming out really, really good. I'm just, I was so spoiled with uh, the last big um, run that they had with uh, Lex Luthor, Lex, Lex Luthor, and You're the Villain, because uh, I just love the cheetah. She's been one of my favorite supervillains uh, for quite a long time, and I love the fact that Christian Wiig is going to play her in the movie. Is that what that is? Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, cheetah's like one of the, the, the bigger baddies that, that's going down. Uh, but in regards, I haven't really mentioned too much of the artwork. I mean, believe, I mean, there's some landscapes in this that just, if you are someone that is just a lover of comic books, you're looking like, wow, it's beautiful, just gorgeous. But as someone that can actually draw, I look at it and be like, shit, how long did it take him to do that? Like, there's uh, probably like page, it's like page six, this landscape of all the machines that Leviathan's compiling. And, of course, they're doing that bullshit uh, well, not, it's not bullshit, but they're doing that thing where they're showing up and teleporting everywhere and then messing something up and teleporting really quickly away. It's a lot of fun. I'm, I'm enjoying the, anything that Ben does believe do, so whatever, so. Yeah, you know, mm -hmm. they're awesome. Let's see, so we got Leviathan Dawn, number one. Basketful of Heads, I'm just going to touch on that briefly because... The, I want to wrap this up with Avengers number 31 because you're going to shit when you hear what that one's about. Let's see, let me pull this guy up here. Where are you, my issue? Basket full of heads. Number five. Joe Hill presents Hill House Comics. I, I beside myself that I am someone that loves horror and didn't realize Joe Hill is Stephen King's son. Uh, resp oh, awesome. Responsible for so many different things. These are comics that he is either writing or handpicking. And helping produce the lot in the, uh, DC Black Label, by the way, but they're not like uh, five, six dollars like all the other black labels that are like really, really big and on like museum quality paper. Uh, this is issue mm -hmm. number five. Great horror, great suspense. Written by Joe Hill, illustrated by Leo Max. Additional pencils by Ricardo Labella. Colored by Dave Stewart. Love Dave Stewart. Lettered by uh, Deron Bennett. Edited by edited by Mark Doyle and Amedo Tuturo, colored by Reiko Mura, Murakami, and variant cover by Matteo Scalera. Basketful of Heads created by Joe Hill. <laughs> Basketful of Heads is exactly what it is. Uh, sleepy town, rainy night, some prisoners get out. Of course, they go to our main character's home that she was hanging out with her boyfriend at. Uh, it's not her home, it's her boyfriend's mom and dad. They, the cons show up, and she defends herself with a just handy-dandy Norse battle, uh, <laughs> battle axe. <laughs> when she cuts someone's heads off in these things, the, the head stays alive. And she's trying to make her way back to, back to town. It's only been probably about maybe two, three hours since the initial events happened where the, uh, convicts escaped, and, you know, her boyfriend was kidnapped, and they found a finger, and she's just trying to find someone to help her. Every single person that comes along eventually betrays her. Uh, 
the suspense of disbelief, maybe this guy's a good guy. That's where the meat. Yeah. That's where the meat potatoes are in this one, and that's all I have to tell you guys about that. It's just a lot of fun. Uh, <laughs> like I'm, I'm still just thinking about like the very first intro in issue number one where she gets picked up. And she's got the basket with her, and the heads are talking to her like everything's over, and she's trying to make, I don't think a getaway, but more of like a, I don't know where to go now, but I've finished whatever just happened in that in that that sleepy little town, and I'm a lot harder than they're presenting her. She was throughout the the issues where you're learning what happened that preceded issue, you know, the first couple of scenes of issue one. I love Joe Hill comics. I think this guy's, um, if they'd have got him. Back maybe ten years ago, we'd still have Vertigo. We wouldn't, and there wouldn't be a lot of the really awful young animal comics out there right now. They're trying to fill that void. Maybe Karen Berger would at least have a someone to she could train to take over the reins, which I'm still really butthurt about because I was I was all about Vertigo. I still 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 all yeah. in. I do need a big drink of water. You've had. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. <clears throat> Good comic. Get it in trade. If uh, if you uh, find the individual ones, do it, obviously. But this one this one you need to digest in, in bulk. Finally, Avengers number 31. Legacy number 731. The Last Temptation of Tony Stark, Iron Man. Finally, after really? it's been like eight, nine months since he went into that cave where they found Iron Man, and uh, like an actual Iron Man, you know, helmet... That had aged like a millennia. Mm-hmm. They've only shown it bits and pieces after everything we're dealing with with 2020 and where Tony Stark is and Arno Stark and then the original Tony Stark uh, or the original uh, armor, uh, however that's panning out. This is actual legit Tony Stark. He's about two, three million years back. He encounters, they finally show what's going on. He's living in... He's living in uh, caves, and it's constantly snowing. He's doing everything he can to to survive. The Iron Man suit only has a finite amount, and he's using everything he can to uh, keep away the wolves that, for some reason, are seriously after him. Like in in a in a biblical sense, like the way Atreyu is being uh, hunted down by Mog, and he encounters the original Avengers, original like because there's always a new original Avengers, right? Oh yeah, uh, where it's like. Odin and original Black Panther, original incantation of the Spirit of Vengeance, <laughs> original Phoenix, and he encounters them and somehow narrowly survives that battle. But this is this is a man, and what the best part about Tony Stark is, they they pointed out is Tony Stark's not his best when he's drinking too much or when he's succeeding so much. Tony Stark is his best when he is his back to the wall and he is in a, a cave and has no alternative but to figure out a way to 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 survive no matter what cuz all the other times he's got so many things at his disposal but when he's really at his best is when he's got his back to his wall back to the wall and we he he encounters these uh, neanderthals at first they try to attack him but uh they start bringing him goodies they they, they start worshiping him and then they start turning on him that he's not in any way giving them like what a god would give someone that had been worshipped by. And he's got that going against him. For some reason, uh, Mephisto shows up. And it's funny because when Mephisto shows up, he comes uh, as, a, as a snake. But, like, who is this snake? But it's this, it's, his dialogue is all in Mephisto font. 
If you've ever read a Doctor Strange comic book, <laughs> and Mephisto, or, or a Green, uh, 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 it's not Green, uh, yeah. <laughs> Green Lantern, I'm getting spacey on this one. A Ghost Rider comic book, Mephisto always speaks in red, and he's got a Mephisto font, and is mm-hmm. trying to taunt him, trying to trying to tease him, trying to tempt him. And Tony is holding resi- resilient. He is not going to give in to this. And he eventually is able to get transported back to our time after fighting a giant uh, mechanized almost type uh, uh, King Kong type thing. He makes a an Ice Age man suit. He uses all of the last bit of the, the suit's power <laughs> to, awesome. to form an Ice Age suit. Of of ice around him and he, it's it's glorious. However, the person that tempts him when Mephisto finally really starts showing himself is Howard Stark, and he eventually is really? he's eventually taken back back to the future. Uh, Mephisto is in he's captured. They they are still doing their best to keep things a little bit canon in terms of or not canon or, or contemporary. Where they know what's going on because right now. Uh, depending on what comic you're reading, in the pages of Ghost Rider, Ghost Rider has kidnapped Mephisto, stolen, absconded with Mephisto, uh, from Doctor Strange's uh, jail he had for him in Las Vegas. Mephisto is kind of loose in a sense. Uh, the latest issue of Ghost Rider ends with um, Stephen Strange getting very pissed off, like, what are you doing with my prisoner? Uh, there's a few other type of comics that are going on where he's he's out and doing his best to manipulate things. And it's more flashback type things. Is what's really happening is he's within the pages of a ghostwriter. But they they get back to it. He's imprisoned and Tony's like, "No, I'm not going to I'm not going to go along with this." And the person that comes in uh, is discussing things with Mephisto while in prison is a newly reincarnated Howard Stark. And instead of like that feeling you get when about four, four or three years ago when Cap says Hill Hydra, he, we've got Howard Stark back and Hail Mephisto. I'm not quite sure how I feel about that yet, though. I, I was, hmm. I wanted to see a little yeah. bit more about what was, what was going on in the cave and why he was even brought there in the first place. With a little bit better explanation rather than just being tempted by Mephisto and his father. It was just good to see Tony being a good Tony again, the way we loved Iron Man number one. The, the, the but movie. he's legit Tony, right? He's, he's it's not... it's legit Tony. It's not a clone. It's not it's not his conscious digitized put into a clone. It's not Iron Heart. It's no. It's <laughs> it's Tony. Okay, that's nice. Yeah, there's got to be a good way to bring him back. I feel like that also is turning into a thing. Sending Batman back to the. Pleistocene and uh, Captain America and all this other stuff. Every time we kill somebody, they got to go back in time and I don't know. I'm just glad that we're getting a good Avengers story instead of a knockdown drag out. Like I don't know where to look because they're they're going yeah. they're going back and forth so many different times. Like there were so many times where I had to go back and reread a couple pages and refresh myself from what they were doing in the past. Probably like six seven months in Avengers. Yeah. But this was a nice, solid story. Looking forward to where it's going to go. I hope they take the, the momentum and run with it and not just split it up. Because they got the star brand, because they were doing the star brand story. And yeah. that was so quick. 
everything keeps happening in Avengers so quickly. The Starbrand thing happens so quickly. The 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 battle between the Celestials and then resurrecting the or not resurrecting like pulling out that the Celestial that is basically responsible for all life on Earth, and now that that's their their base of options. Uh, in between that, uh, they've got the story going along with uh, uh, Danny Ketch. Well, not not well. Danny Ketch was someone involved. Of uh, Johnny Blaze and uh, the the new Ghost Rider racing for the the seat of hell, which was still going on. It was it wasn't even wrapped up before they even really started. Uh, the new issues of Ghost Rider were cages on the on the seat of hell, and it it it's, it gets disjointed. And I just want a goddamn solid story. That's all I want. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I'm done for the night, man. I'm pooped. Pooped. I'm, Gross. I'm tired. I've, I've been pushing the limit all day, man. Uh, we've got a. Uh, I'm releasing this tomorrow, which will be Wednesday for you, minefielders. And then we've got two issues of Picard in the can. So hopefully we can record the new one. Uh, we'll, we'll maybe record tomorrow, and we'll figure it out because we're always recording. But we certainly appreciate you, minefielders. You got anything to wrap us up with, brother? Uh, you know, no, I'll be all right. We got. Uh, what you... I'm going to keep watching The Man in High Castle. Maybe I'll do a report on that when I've seen it all. Uh, and um, I'm excited to hear about uh, Cobra Kai Season 3 stuff. Um, what was that? I picked up a couple of those issues. What was it? Uh, Dynamite or Boom Studios or something? Uh, if it's a yellow logo, it's Dynamite. Yeah, I can't recall. It's it's really hit or miss, and not like not everybody's carrying it. You have to go to a place that carries a ton of stuff that's just ordering it and not ordering it because uh, they've got subscribers who say, "Yeah, I want that," and then they have to know it's coming out. Um, but um, you know, yeah, I'm looking forward to some stuff, dude. I can't wait to see. I I gotta find it in somebody. I want to sit down and watch Wonder Woman with somebody. Because I want to see the new Wonder Woman really bad. Me too. It's awesome. Me too. It looks that's one of the best trailers I've ever seen, uh, and it's got so much to do with that music, and just the crazy, uh, you know, '80s Taika Waititi concept. Fun. <laughs> Absolutely. Anyway, no, let's let's do it, man. Hey, thanks everybody for listening. If you got any questions, hit us up. I'd love to answer questions. It's uh, Colin and Josh at MinefieldsComicsPodcast.com. Uh, of course, mm-hmm. follow us on Twitter, and it's MinefieldsP on uh, Twitter, and uh, the Minefields uh, podcast on Instagram, and obviously we're at Minefields Podcast at Facebook. Uh, we're Facebook slash Minefields Podcast. Yeah. <laughs> how many? How many phone numbers? Uh, Seventeen phone numbers. Seventeen phone. You numbers. can get us by way of our cell phone, our pager, our home phone. We don't. We don't. Uh, we don't recognize any major holidays. Depends. Holidays. We're rarely ever sick. Depends on how blonde you are. Yeah. How blonde you are. Yeah. Can't stress blonde enough. But on that case, this is not an exit. This transmission is ending. And this is dangerous. Over and out. Over and out. <laughs>